What's up, you animals? Welcome to the Strength and Conditioning Fireside Chat, where we discuss studies and other publications to build the knowledge needed to take yourself, your athletes, and your business to the next level. This episode, along with every other episode, is brought to you by DefyingGravityPerformance.com. Freaking Dingleberries, you came back. Thanks for coming. Thanks for tuning in. We did it, buddy. We're up over uh, one month of doing this podcast now. We're here. This is episode five. So thanks for listening to the past four. Thanks for coming for the fifth one. And here's the many more. So let's uh, let's get into it. This week, we got a, a good topic, a good topic that's a hot topic in the fitness industry, and that's around extreme conditioning programming aka CrossFit and injuries incurred while doing this style of programming. So the study we're looking at is titled Injuries in an Extreme Conditioning Program. The authors of it were Kyle T. On, MPH, and Dr. Joseph M. Powers. And if you want to look this up online, the background, it was originally published in the Sports Health, a multidisciplinary approach journal in October 2016, which was volume 9, issue one. So like I said at the the beginning of this podcast, I mean, this is a hot topic in fitness. Everyone likes to shit on CrossFit um, and say that it's inherently dangerous and anyone who's doing it is is stupid and they're going to get hurt and blah, 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 blah. Well, that's why I wanted to talk about this study because people believe that extreme conditioning programming is more inherently dangerous and that the very founding principles that go into something like CrossFit causes more injuries than other training styles, other training modalities. And it's also interesting, as you'll see when we start breaking down the study, it's very interesting to look at this study because it has such a large sample size. So it's interesting to see a large study that covers a lot of bases with a lot of a lot of different individuals. So the hypothesis of this study Keep in mind, the hypothesis does not necessarily mean the results of it. You know, the the hypothesis is your starting point for further investigation. The hypothesis of this study was, and I quote, the rate of injury in the extreme conditioning program is greater than the injury rate of weightlifting and the majority of injuries occurred to the shoulder and back, end quote. So that was the hypothesis of the study. But the study itself, the authors of the study, had four purposes for conducting this. And the the first one was to determine the prevalence of injury from extreme conditioning programming. The second one was to determine the common body parts of injury. The third one was to identify dangerous exercise movements. And the fourth and final one was to determine the causes of injury, which makes sense, right? So you want to you know the prevalence of injury. You want to know what body parts are getting injured. You want to know the movements that are causing the injury. And then you want to determine, you know, why. Why are you getting injured, right? So it's, it's a natural progression. So it's important that we answer what is extreme extreme conditioning programming, a.k.a. CrossFit. And the kind of official definition of it is a fitness style that focuses on aerobic capacity, plyometrics, bodyweight exercises, and resistance training, which is your anaerobic capacity, 
at high levels of intensity. So you're really putting out a lot of effort, not only on, you know, using a, a high amount on the, the bar, but also, you know, physiologically putting out a lot, exerting a lot of energy that is often timed for maximum reps. So for example, how many deadlifts can you do in one minute with 315 pounds? And of course, when you hear that definition of extreme conditioning programming, most people will think of CrossFit. That's why we kind of, AKA CrossFit, this is essentially what CrossFit is. But interestingly enough, one thing that I know from my experiences is that this style of training is often found in military training programs as well. You figure in the military, everything's very structured. So, you know, if your unit is only allocating an hour um, a day for PT, physical training, um, then they need to make the most of that hour. There needs to be a lot of efficiency there um, and a, a lot of effectiveness on their return of time. So they'll incorporate something like this that taxes all the energy systems. You work on your aerobic capacity, your anaerobic capacity. You don't always have a access to weight rooms because one, there's too many people in your platoon or your unit. Um, so you do a lot of body weight exercises, a lot of plyometrics. So it does apply outside of CrossFit. It's not just CrossFit that utilizes extreme conditioning programming. So now that we know how to define extreme conditioning programming, we know what the hypothesis of the study is. We know the four purposes of the study. Let's get into the study. So the study is, is that the survey, it was, it was survey based and they sent us out to 1100 members of Iron Tribe Fitness. Now, Iron Tribe Fitness is an extreme conditioning programming franchise gym with five locations in Alabama. So your population going into this is 1100. They chose to only use um, Iron Tribe Fitness, that gym chain, because they wanted to eliminate as many variables as possible. Like we always talk about with every study, it eliminated variables because this um, exercise gym chain, um, had similar facilities, had similar equipment. Um, they utilized similar coaching styles. They obviously did similar workouts. So it was very easy to kind of compare apples to apples in all of this. So in the survey they sent out, they asked about injuries incurred during extreme conditioning programming. And it's important that they identified to these individuals filling out the survey, um, to the sample size, you know, what is an injury? And they, they classified it as three different things. The first one is if you seek medical treatment, obviously that's an injury. Second one was that if you take time off from exercising, obviously that would be another injury. And the third and final one that they outlined for um, the participants was that if you make modifications to your technique in order to continue exercising. So, for example, if you uh, tweaked your lower back doing a snatch and then you changed the way um, you started your snatch or you, you changed your position at the catch, whatever it may be, if, if you changed your technique um, and made a modification based off of um, a feeling you were having, that would be considered an injury. The survey also asked about the medical history. It asked, you know, the, the bullshit, the normal demographic information, what's your race, what's your weight, what's your height, et cetera. Um, and then it also, which was very important, asked about additional exercise that these participants were doing outside of the traditional extreme conditioning programming. So what were they doing outside of Iron Tribe Gym in addition to doing their CrossFit style training? So with all that being said, we can get right into the results. 
So I'd, I said they sent it out to 1,100 people, right? That's your population. Well, of those 1,100, 247 people answered the survey. So that's your sample size. Of the 247, it was 142 males and 105 females. Some interesting facts that came back from the survey is that men averaged an additional 2.3 months of extreme conditioning programming, which if you break that down to time per workout over that 2.3 months, it's actually an additional 58 hours of lifetime uh, or lifetime hours doing this style of training, which is important because when you start breaking down injuries, you're looking at it on like an hourly basis. So knowing that you'd expect males to, um, to potentially be injured at a higher rate or have more injuries just because they have more time under the bar. Uh, another important takeaway was that women actually um, averaged more additional training outside of their, you know, extreme conditioning programming. So they averaged the woman, the women averaged an additional 0.9 hours. So essentially they spent an extra one hour a week training outside of the gym than men did. So I think the best way or easiest way to, to discuss the rest of these results is to, to break it down into the segments of the four purposes of the study, which we've already discussed. So the first purpose was the prevalence of injury. Well, 72, um, 72 of the individuals that responded, which was 29%, reported pre-existing musculoskeletal issues. 107 participants, which is 43% of the sample size, reported previous musculoskeletal injury. And another important um, takeaway there is that athletes with less than six months of experience in extreme conditioning programming actually sustained injuries two and a half times more often than their peers who have been doing it longer, which makes perfect sense, right? Because if they're new, if they're a newbie, their training age is less, so they don't have the physiological adaptations that you get over time from training. I mean, that's the whole reason you train. So newbies with lower training ages who are not used to the techniques, um, don't have the efficiencies in training yet, sustain injuries two and a half times more, more often. Now, let's, we're going to break down these injuries per 1,000 hours, and that's called your estimated injury incident. So women had an estimated injury incident of 2.87 injuries per 1,000 hours. Men had 2.62 injuries per 1,000 hours. So you can see women had 0.25 more injuries per 1,000 hours. Pretty insignificant, pretty marginal. But the average between men and male and female was 2.71 injuries per 1,000 hours. They had done previous studies on CrossFit athletes and broken down the estimated injury incident. And previous studies had shown 3.1 injuries per 1,000 hours. So you can see this study is pretty much right on line with historical studies on, on CrossFit athletes. Now, all that being said, 3.1, 2.7, it means jack shit until you compare it to to other sports, right? So if you look at triathletes, triathletes average 2.5 to 5.4 injuries per 1,000 hours. So pretty much right at where CrossFit is, maybe a little bit higher. Cyclists average six injuries per 1,000 hours. So six compared to the 2.71 of of CrossFit athletes, you can see cyclists actually had a lot more um, injuries, which isn't which is surprising because a lot of people think of cycling or biking as, you know, a low impact sport runners. And this was extremely high um, because a a lot of people 
they think running is less dangerous than than you know resistance training but anyone who runs or anyone who trains athletes knows that running is inherently a very high impact activity you know the ground and pound of 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 running and moving your fat ass through space um takes its toll on your joints um but runners anyway get off on my my little rant there runners averaged 33 to 79 injuries per 1000 hours obviously that's astronomically higher than the 2.71 we're seeing with crossfit athletes now of course we got to compare it to the other you know resistance training exercises right weightlifting um so weightlifters average 2.7 to 5.5 injuries per 1,000 hours. So once again, it's pretty much right in line with what CrossFitter is. Crossfitting or CrossFit athletes have for injury um, incidences, which, you know, could break a lot of hearts because that's what everyone, you know, shits on CrossFit for. But the fact of the matter is, is that weightlifting is right there, even potentially a little higher. God, I hope this podcast is coming out okay. My computer keeps having these fucking issues and I'm... It looks like it's working, so we'll continue on. Uh, the second purpose of the study was, you know, to identify the common body parts of injuries. Well, the first most common body part of injury was the shoulder or the upper arm. Now, the scary part of that is that 40% of the medical treatment for these injuries to the shoulder or upper arm resulted in surgery. So damn near half of the injuries to your shoulder needed surgical repairing, um, which which was 15.7 times more likely than other injury sites to require surgery. So these were not tiny injuries to the shoulder, a little tweak. You know, you take a couple days off and you come back fine. These were full out blowouts of the shoulder that required to, to go under the knife, even to come back in the gym. So very significant, very scary. The second most common body part was the leg or knee, which makes sense. Um, and the third most common body part was your trunk, back, head, or neck. So essentially, essentially your spinal column, your structural column um, is where the, the was the third most popular for injury. The third purpose of the study was to identify dangerous exercise movements, you know, and the study or the survey showed that more than half of the injuries um, that these individuals were reporting came from Olympic style lifts. Three that the, the study points out um, specifically is the squat cleans, the ring dips and the overhead squats, which when you think of those movements and what they are, there's a lot of leeway that goes into it and there's a lot of stability that goes into those movements so if you go outside of your um, threshold if you will you can see why you could definitely blow out your shoulder doing a ring dips if you fell too far back your arm shot out too far to the sides and you collapse down the middle whatever it may be a lot of stability goes into these movements and for noobs who are two and a half times more likely to become injured you can understand why they're becoming injured so the fourth and final purpose of the study was to determine the causes of injury. Now, keep in mind, these are all athlete reported. So this is in their opinion. And I'll just read the results from a table real quick. 46% of people said overexertion. 23% of people said improper technique. 14% of people said prior injury that predisposed them to the new injury. 8% said inadequate warm-up. 5% said fatigue. 3% said lack of supervision, and 2% said lack of familiarity with exercise. Now, me, I, I kind of laugh looking at these results because there's a lot of uh, redundancy here, right? So you had overexertion at 
Well, I'd say overexertion and fatigue are the same thing, right? Fatigue at 5%. So the 46 plus 5, so 51% of people um, sustain their injuries, in their opinion, due to overexertion. Um, I also think improper technique, inadequate warm-up, lack of supervision, which seems like a joke to me. Are you a child? So you're obviously lack of supervision. You're just doing it wrong, an improper technique. And I also think lack of familiarity with exercise. I think you can group all those together. So you got 23% from improper technique. You got 8% from inadequate warm-up. You got 2% from lack of familiarity with the exercise. And then you got 3% from lack of supervision. So essentially you got 36%. Yeah, I think I did the math here. I am an accountant also by day. So um, so you can see it can be pretty much broken up into three things. Overexertion at the highest, improper technique at the second highest, and then prior injury that predisposed them um, to the new injury um, at the third most common cause of injury. So those are the th- the the four purposes of the study broken down, giving you the results. So what are the takeaways? Um, well, I think first and foremost that most people will walk away from this study with is that extreme conditioning programming or CrossFit is not more dangerous than other weightlifting methodologies. The fact of the matter is that they average 2.7 injuries per 1,000 hours. And even other studies like we discussed are as high as 3.1 um, injuries per 1,000 hours, which is pretty much right in line with weightlifting um, and a whole hell of a lot less than, you know, the ground and pound of actually going out and running or going on a jog. I think the second takeaway that I identified is that more experienced extreme conditioning program athletes are much less likely to actually be injured or sustain an injury, which once again, duh, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because there's physiological efficiencies that were developed from training. They adapted to the training. That's the reason we train to get these adaptations and learn these efficiencies. Um, So the less trained athletes aren't going to have them. They're more susceptible to injury and having their body break down underneath them. The third takeaway that I noted, um, which was very startling, is that injuries are very popular in the shoulder. And these were big fucking injuries that required, you know, table time with a surgeon. And that's very scary, especially when you figure, one, it's the most injured site. And two, you have a 50% chance if you injure it, injure it. You have a 50% chance if you injure it of having to get surgery. So that's, that's, that's fucking scary. Now, it's not an episode of Strength Conditioning Fireside Chat if we don't talk about the limitations of this study, right? Um, I noted three. I'm sure you probably have a lot more, especially if you look it up online and read it. Um, and the, the article actually points out my first one, but that the athletes are self-reporting their injuries. So there may be things that they are not reporting because they didn't consider it injury, and they may be reporting things that they do consider an injury that really aren't by the three standards set up by the authors of this study. So anytime there's self-reporting, there's subjectivity there. Uh, the second limitation I noted is that we are extrapolating that any injuries these individuals have are from um, or are a result of extreme conditioning programming, which is not necessarily the case, right? Because these athletes in their survey self-admitted to doing more work outside of their their extreme conditioning programming gym. They were doing more shit in addition to their CrossFit. So women averaged 3.6 hours a week, which was, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, 0.9 hours more than men. But women averaged 3.6 hours more a week 
doing more work outside of their, their CrossFit gym, right? So maybe they sustain their knee injury running, you know, maybe they sustain their shoulder injury doing kettlebell swings at home, whatever it may be. And then we just, you know, extrapolate that it's due to CrossFit when maybe it's not necessarily so. So maybe 2.7 injuries per 1000 hours, maybe that's too high. Maybe that's overstated which leads me into my third limitation, which is going <laughs> to go in the opposite direction. But it's important to note in the article touched on it that those already injured from CrossFit or extreme conditioning programming have already dropped out of that modality of training. They've already left um, that gym chain. So they're not even there to be part of the sample. They're not there to fill out the surveys. So maybe 2.7 injuries per 1,000 hours is way understated because – survival of the fittest, all those that died off and couldn't handle it and their bodies broke down, they're not there anymore. So maybe 2.7 is way understated. You never know. That's a limitation, which which would obviously put a nail in this whole study and this whole podcast, right? So that's it, you assholes. Thanks for listening. Like I said, episode five, baby, we're, we're continuing. We're going strong. Um, but it's important to note, um, I want to point out that, remember, this is just one side of an issue. If you do your research and you look outside of this study, you'll find plenty that support it and agree with it. And then, of course, you're going to find just as many that are on the other side of the fence that argue against what this study found. Um, but at the end of the day, I just want to have an open discussion. I want to talk about this study so you can think about it and you can decide whether it can be applied to you, whether it can be applied to your athletes, whether you can apply it to your business, whatever it may be. It's an open discussion. So until next week, next Sunday, that's when I released episodes. Um, I implore you to go over to defyinggravityperformance.com. You can send me messages there. You can read some articles. You can listen to the prior podcasts, even though I know you all have already listened to them a couple times over, right? Um, so until then, remember, defy limitations, and God bless America.